Thank you. If this is the first time in all of our locations where you've heard from me, let me wish you a very happy uh, New Year. We're going to talk about going into 2017 and getting rid of anything unhealthy that we may have picked up in 2016 in terms of our attitudes. How many know you can't necessarily change what happens, but you can change your attitude? And so I don't know what 2016 was like for you, but I believe, and as, I, as we were in worship, I felt the Lord saying, it's not that a call for us just to move into 2017 or stumble into a new year. We need to positively step in with new attitudes. We need to get rid of unhealthy attitudes. Can I have an amen? Get rid of fear, unbelief, discouragement, depression, anger, unforgiveness. Let's get rid of those unhealthy attitudes and let's fill our lives with three super attitudes. And these super attitudes are laid out for us in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. The Apostle Paul says this, now these three remain. These are three super attitudes, three super spiritual qualities that if you get these in your life, you'll change your life. Let's say them together. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. So let's fill our lives at the start of this year with faith, hope, and love. I want to kick off the series today by looking at the first of these three, which is how to fill our lives with faith. There's something about faith that's amazing. Do you know it took you faith to become a Christian? I I would simply say faith is believing God or trusting God. Trusting God for your eternal future. Trusting God that when you ask him, he'll forgive you and he'll come into your life and change you. Aren't you glad that God has saved you, not by your righteousness or your works, but by faith in who he is and what he's done for you? So if you're a Christian here today, you already have faith. But as we look at the start of 2017, what I want to do is I want to look at a chapter in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a New Testament letter written to a bunch of first century Jewish Christians primarily who were obviously on a journey. They'd started on the journey of faith, but for whatever reason, they were being tempted to shrink back and to step back into unbelief. And I believe it's a wonderful um, exhortation for us at the start of 2017. If you've started on the journey of faith, guess what? We're called to continue, to press on and to make spiritual progress. And Hebrews 11 is, if you like, almost like a high point of the whole letter. And it's a classic faith chapter. It starts very helpfully with a description of what faith is. I mean, if we need to fill our lives with faith, it's good to ask, what is faith? That maybe we could read this together, can we? Hebrews 11.1 says, this is what faith is. Say it together, one, two, three. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Inner confidence, in assurance. You see, there's certain things that we can't change. What we can change is our inner attitude of confidence in God, in his word, in his plans, in his promises over our lives. Confidence and assurance. And this faith is something that is initially a gift of God. When you become a Christian, God breathes into you the Holy Spirit. And if you are now a believer, you have the capacity to be a great woman or a great man of faith. Can I have an amen somewhere? 
But my experience of over 30 years as a Christian is that although we have saving faith, we are Christians, unless I activate it, or as Phil Pringle when he came to us in September says, unless I switch, switch my faith on, I love that, switch it on, say switch it on, Unless I switch my faith on, it's as if faith can stay dormant in my life. I have power by the Holy Spirit to see things change. question is, am I activating that faith? And so the rest of Hebrews 11, very interestingly, the writer goes back and does kind of like a, a sweeping survey of the Old Testament um, heroes. And he says, every one of them live by faith. And we're going to look at the first five in the list. He says, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah. And they all saw things, great things in their lives because they activated their faith. It's interesting that most of them activated their faith by actions. Faith starts on the, in the heart. Very often we say that we need to speak it out, what God has said, but it's interesting that the, the emphasis in Hebrews here is on faith-filled actions. How many are ready to make decisions to put actions to your faith so that you activate your faith and fill your life with faith? Let's set the course of our lives. Come on, Kingsgate. The start of 2017 in line with God's will and God's purposes. You ready? So five decisions or five ways to activate or fill your life with faith in 2017. First one is this. By faith, let's give the first and the best to God. When I first became a Christian, I was so overwhelmed with God's goodness. I mean, at the end of the day, isn't it amazing that God gave his firstborn, Jesus, and his very best to us in order to save us? God didn't hold anything back. So in my spirit and in my heart, the first response was, God, you've given me everything. I want to give back to you the first and the best. And we see that principle of giving to God the first and the best in the first in the list in Hebrews 11, goes all the way back to Genesis 4 and picks up on the story of a guy called Abel. Abel was the son of Cain and the firstborn son of Adam and Eve. Listen to what it says in Hebrews. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Here we have two brothers. They both gave. But only one gave, according to the writer of Hebrews, in a way that was by faith and pleased God. How was that? Well, you've got to go back to the original story in the book of Genesis to find out. It says that Abel's giving in faith was because he gave, Genesis 4.4, the best, say the best, the best portions of the firstborn of his flock. How many want your giving in 2017 to please God? That was a question. How many want your giving in 2017 to please God? Well, then we need to be those who acknowledge that God is God. He's worthy. He's given us the first and the best. In fact, everything that we have all comes from him because he's a good father and he's our creator. Therefore, he deserves not my leftovers, not my half-hearted giving. He deserves, guess what, the first and the best. Can I say if Abel 
hundreds of years before Christ, could honor God in this way, how much more can we in Christ give God the first and the best? It's interesting, and I kind of grapple with this, you know, starting out here with this emphasis on giving God the first and the best. How do we do that? Do you know, every time you come together and we gather on a Sunday, we're giving God the first and the best. The early Christians, they worshiped deliberately on a Sunday because in their calendar, it was the first day in the, of the week. How many want the rest of your week to be blessed? Well, then let's give God the first day of the week. Amen. How many want your day to be blessed? Give him the first minutes of every day. There's something about putting God first. But, but according to the text here, the actual example of how Abel gave God the first and the best was to do with his material substance. It was to do with the, the giving of an offering. And I think it's interesting here, and it's not just, I think, because chronologically Abel appears first in the list of the story, but I think there's something that God knows that one of the first areas we're to put our faith in him is in the very practical area of our possessions, our finances, what we have. Isn't it interesting that if faith is confidence in a God we can't see, God says, okay, now I want to test you in how you, you work with something very tangible like finance. I know as I look back at my Christian life, when Karen and I first got married, one of the first areas that we learned to live by faith was in our finances. You know, years and years before we ever thought about leadership and church and all that kind of thing, God said, I want to take you to a journey and how to trust me in finance. And for us, the first step of faith was just this. Don't just give anyhow, give me the first and the best. We're like, okay, Lord, what does that look like? Well, what it looked like and what I believe it looks like in, in, for every one of us is that we don't give leftovers. We don't wait until the end of the month and decide if we've got anything to give. We don't give half-heartedly. We don't give grudgingly. We give as an act of gratitude and worship to the one who's given us everything, and we give him the first and the best. First decision we make in our finances. This is a non-negotiable for us. First thing goes out is to God. Makes me a Christian. Or it's a demonstration of my faith. I put him first. I don't want money to be my God. I don't want this materialistic culture to be my God. I don't want covetousness to be my God. I want God to be my God. And therefore, I demonstrate every single time um, our tithe check goes out to the Lord, our standing over goes over to him. Every time we give offerings over and above, we're saying, God, you are the first and the best. And we give you that in Jesus' name. And for us, as we sought God, it was quite clear from the rest of Scripture that meant that the first, of, the first 10%, what is known as the tithe, belonged to him, and it went. And we didn't have to think about it. We pray about it. We did it by faith. And then as God has blessed us, we realized that we can give way above that and live a life of generosity. What would it look like for you to put God first, to put him first, and to give him the best in 2070. Well, many of you are already doing this, so just exercise your faith. Switch it on. Say, God, I'm honoring you. I make you putting a stake in the ground. You are first, and I thank you for your covering, your blessing over my finances and your smile over my life. Amen? Others of you may need to think, go back and check your giving. Think, okay, how can I put God first in my giving? How can I start giving him the first 
and the best. Start returning the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the first thing. First decision relates to our giving, relates to finances. By faith, we give God the first and the best. Second in the list relates to something very similar but slightly different. By faith, second decision is develop a close walk with God. You know we all need relationships. Do you realize that? We need others. But can I say the most important relationship above every other, above relationship with your children, your friends, your spouse, if you're married, the number one relationship you need to develop and cultivate is your relationship with God. See, the becoming a Christian is not just a sort of an insurance ticket to heaven. It's about a glorious walk. It's about developing a close walk. And we see that in the example of the second guy in our list, um, which is a guy called Enoch. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, if you look back in Genesis, what was distinctive about Enoch? He appears in a whole list of different people who lived several hundred years. They lived longer in those days. And then suddenly it comes and it says, and Enoch walked with God. I don't know about you, I'd love God to say, there's so-and-so and there's so-and-so, and then there's Dave Smith, he walked with God. How do you like that to be said over your life? In the NIV, the new NIV, has, they've added in, he faithfully walked with God. Wouldn't that be a great hallmark over your life? You've, God says over you, you're, you're now in God's book, not the Scriptures. He's not rewriting the canon of Scripture. I'm talking about in heaven. He's recording over your life, this one walked with God. This man walked with God. This woman walked with God. This young person, despite what everyone else was or wasn't doing, they made a decision to walk with God. Develop a close walk with God. And there was something about this walk with God that was obviously so pleasing to God. I mean, we often think about faith in terms of what we can get from God, but I sometimes like to think about it. Do you know there's something about us believing God and trusting Him and staying faithful to Him? It pleases Him. Ah, oh, what a privilege. We can give God pleasure. Do you realize when we come for worship, we're not just doing it for our benefit, we're giving God our Father pleasure as we lift up our hands and as we, as we honor him, as we sing to him. And there was something about Enoch's walk with God. That obviously, God liked it so much, he says, boy, come up here. You're not even going to have to die. I want you with me for eternity. I love it. Before the resurrection, here's a guy who just literally, God said, right, you're ready to come home. Took him without dying to have eternal fellowship with him. That's a pretty great reward, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying that we can claim that promise, but what I do believe is that we can all know that we can please God by the way we walk with him. Because the following verse in, in verse 6 says this, and without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God because anyone, not just Enoch, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists or that he is and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I don't know what you're expecting for this year. Don't put your faith in anyone or anything else other than God. I want to tell you, best person to put your faith in is almighty God. It says he will reward those who earnestly seek him. So what does it look like to develop a close walk with God? Let's, let's just do a kind of a January check on how we're doing. You, have you got a Bible reading plan? 
Are you still with it? <laughs> and not just are you there, when you come, are you expectant that the God who wrote the book is going to speak to you? Because he is, you can't see him, and he's a rewarder, he wants to speak to you. And then when you pray, you just, well, I'm just talking to the air. No, you're not, you're talking to a real God who wants to answer your prayer. When we lift up holy hands in worship, when we sing, when we go to work, I want to tell you, believe there is an unseen one who's come on the inside of your life, who's surrounding you. When you go to sleep, he's watching over you. Hallelujah. We can develop our relationship with a God who is always there, always good, always your father, and always faithful. The thing I love about a walk with God if you keep following the leading of his spirit, never need to get stale, never need to get stagnant. He's a God who always wants to show you new things. How many of you know that none of us have begun to even fathom the tiniest nth of how glorious God is? So there's far more for us in 2017, Kingsgate, than we've ever known before. Let's develop a close walk with God by faith. First decision. By faith, let's give the first and the best to God. Second Let's develop a close walk with God. Thirdly, by faith, let's accomplish great things. Say great things. Great things for God. I don't know about you. I made a decision. I don't want to fritter my life away. I've only got one. I want to accomplish great things for God. I want to make a difference. I want to live in the purposes that God has for my life that he destined before the beginning of time. I want to tell you right now, some of you are going to step into some things in 2017 that are almost like they're, they're moments of fulfillment, moments of convergence, that God's been planning things, he's been arranging things, he's been organizing things, and some of you are going to come in and say, okay, I'm just stepping in, and you, there's a sudden awareness that God has been orchestrating. You step into something and say, this is that that God spoke to me all those years ago. That's not for me to determine the timing because we have a sovereign God who knows the end from the beginning. But be expectant that you, this year, 2017, you're going to accomplish some great things for God. And here we can learn from the example of Noah, third character in the list, mentioned in verse 7 of Hebrews. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. The story of Noah is amazing. You can read about it um, in the book of Genesis. Story of a guy who one day God spoke to him and basically said to him, flood's coming on the earth. And so I want you to build me a massive ark, a massive boat. And the reason I want you to build it is I want you to be saved I want your family to be saved. I want the human race to ultimately be saved. And I want the rest of the animal creation to be saved. Therefore, build the boat. You say, what was the big deal about that? The big deal about that was he was in the middle of a desert. And building the ark was not a five-minute job. And we don't know exactly. Some people are trying to speculate how long it took to build the ark. Let's just, let's just say it took decades. Do you think there may have been times when Noah's in the middle of the desert and he's building another plank, another plank, another plank? You say, what are you doing, Noah? I'm building a boat. Why are you building a boat in the desert? Because the rain's coming. What's rain? <laughs> Yet he keeps on in holy fear because God, this is the basis of faith, because God has said, 
Faith believes God. Faith obeys God. Faith puts its confidence in an assurance in who God is and what God has said, not on what everyone else is saying. And he kept on doing it, and he kept on doing it. And of course, the floods came, and because he was faithful to the faithful God, he was saved, his family was saved, the creation was saved, he built an ark. 2017, let me speak to you first as a, an individual believer. You, may, you will not be called, I suspect, to build a literal boat, a literal ark, but God wants you through your life to build an ark of salvation, not just for yourself or your family, but that many others might come into the rescue and the restoration and the transformation that God has planned for them. God wants to bless you and make you a blessing for many other people. Amen? You say, well, I've got a bit weary being a blessing. Don't be weary. Keep on doing good. Keep on accomplishing great things. God, I was thinking about that. Imagine if Noah had stopped, I don't know, year 25. Had enough of this art building business. Rain's not coming anyway. Doesn't seem to be making any difference. And let's say, you know, when the, the flood came, he'd forgotten to put the roof on. Uh-oh. Don't quit, child of God. Don't stop serving God. Don't, start see, don't stop seeking the lost. Let's get together, individually and in groups, let's keep building arcs so that many more people can be rescued and saved in 2017 than ever before. Come on. And then as a Kingsgate family, what have we been doing for these last 28, 29 years? We've been building a big ark. In, in first in one city, then in other cities, because we're saying uh, that there is a judgment coming. Life is not going to continue as it is for all eternity. There is an end coming, and it's going to be glorious for those who know him. But we want to rescue those who don't, and we say, come on in. We're building an ark. Come and see God's plan for your life. Few weeks' time, I'm going to be launching 2020 vision for us as a church, and I don't want to preempt that now. But let me just say this for us as a church family, the best is yet to come. The art's got to get a lot, lot bigger so that more and more people can come in and be saved and rescued and healed and transformed in Jesus' name together by faith. Let's accomplish great things for God. Third decision I'm encouraging us all to make at the start of 2017 is this by faith. Journey all the way with God. Faith is like a journey. Faith is like a journey. If it was important then for the writer of the Hebrews to say to these first century Christians, you've started on the journey, don't back off. It's all the more important, I believe, 2,000 years later that we in 21st century Britain hear the word of the Lord. We have challenges. We have discouragement. We have things that will try and pull us off or cause us to back down. But we say no in Jesus' name. We are going to be people of faith who stay on the journey of faith and go all the way with God. And we can learn from the greatest man of faith of the Old Testament, fourth in the list, Abraham. It says in Hebrews 11, by faith, verse 8, Abraham, when called to go to a place 
He would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I, I love the story of Abraham, incredible man of faith. Here's a guy, before God changed his name, he was named Abraham, and he was basically, came from a pagan background, unlikely there were any other worshippers of Yahweh anywhere in his culture. He was in effect, came from a culture where they worship the sun, S-U-N. And then he hears God, and he hears the call of God in a place called Ur, U-R, Ur of the Chaldees, it's of modern day Iraq. And God spoke to him and said, I'm calling you, Abraham. I've got a plan for your life. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. But I want you to leave everything that's familiar, everything that's comfortable, and I want you to go to a place where you've never been to before. Guess what Abraham did? It says he obeyed and went. How many think that's great faith? He's trusting in this God who's revealed himself to him. Amazing. And so Abraham obeys the word of God. He leaves Ur. And he starts heading to this place, which eventually he's to end up in, what was known as Canaan, where um, he was to see fulfillment of the promise, the promised land. But in between earth and Canaan, they stopped at a place called Haran. We don't know exactly why. Maybe something to do with his family. Because as soon as his father died in Haran, basically God speaks to him again. And he decides to leave Haran and continue, say continue, continue on the journey. As I was preparing for this message, I felt prophetically, and I want to give a response at the end of this message, which is, which is twofold. Number one, have you left Ur? Have you left the, your old life? Have you fully said, right, I'm going all the way and I'm going to start on the journey of faith? If not, come on the journey. But also I want to speak to, and I believe God wants to challenge a number of you who you've started the journey, but for whatever reason you've stopped, you've stalled. Could be circumstances. Sometimes, can I say, when we've stopped and we've stalled, we don't even know it until a message like this comes and say, whoa, I've stopped. I've stagnated. And I want to tell you, God is saying to you here today, don't stop, child of God. Like Abraham, I have a promise beyond where you are right now. I'm calling you to keep on the journey of faith. And I'm not talking geographically moving necessarily at all. I'm talking about keeping moving in your discipleship journey with God. Don't stay in Ur. Don't stay stuck in Haran. Go all the way to the promised land. And you say, I've done that. But I'm not yet enjoying heaven, and heaven on earth. <laughs> no, I know, because heaven hasn't yet come fully to earth. You know, when Abraham finally got to the promised land, there wasn't a big welcome committee from the, the, the Canaanites saying, welcome Abe and Sarah. No, no, there was a challenge still in the promised land. They were where God wanted them to, to be. And it wasn't, you know, there weren't palaces waiting for them. It said for a time they dwelt in tents. But Abraham kept on going. He kept on believing God. Why? Because even though he was in the promised land, he knew there was an ultimate land of promise beyond that land. It was the heavenly country. It was the heavenly city. 
Can I say to you, child of God, right now, I don't know what challenges you're going through. I don't know what 2016's been like for you, but I want to tell you that you need to keep your eyes not just on what you're going to enjoy in this life. There's a promise beyond this life that there is an eternal city coming from heaven to earth, and every true believer is going to be there, and we're going to enjoy an eternity with God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more um, pain. There's going to be no more ites in the land that are going to distract us. We're going to enjoy the fullness of God. Keep on going. Keep on going. Final decision of faith is this. By faith, receive a miraculous inheritance from God. You see, God is a God who can do the impossible. Look at our fifth character, Abraham's wife, Sarah. It says, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, she was 90 at the time, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, Abraham, who at the time, by the way, was 100, and he as good as dead, Bible's not being very polite there. Came descendants and inheritance. Came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. Incredible story of faith. You say, how did this couple have faith to believe? Not because they wished for it. Because God said it. Because God said it. Do you know when faith comes? Faith comes, faith comes, Romans 10, 17, by hearing and hearing the word of God. God quickens something to their hearts. And you say, well, I, I, yeah, God spoke to me, but I, I've, I've had a bit of a wobble. Well, join the club. If you read the story, Abraham and Sarah had some wobbles too. But the scripture wants to record. They kept on believing they kept on believing, and it says here about Sarah, she was enabled. That means God gave her power to conceive, even though naturally it was impossible. Now, as you look at your life, how many of you know that God has said certain things over your life? There may be things he's spoken to you prophetically. Maybe you've been reading the scriptures that's why I love to journal when I write, when I read the Bible, because I like to record what God says. Just, just, um, and I've got backlog of things God said years ago. There's something I just recorded in a ministry area a year ago, and I came full circle, and I'm like, oh, another answered prayer. See, God says, and God wants us to believe. Even impossible situations, I, what, what, what family situations are you saying, oh God, it looks impossible, but how do you know with our God, nothing is impossible? God said to Sarah in the Genesis text, she was doubting, and he said this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is it too hard for the Lord to change our cities? Is it too hard for the Lord for revival to come and for this nation to come back to God? No, nothing is too hard for God. Is it too hard for God to save your family? Is it too hard for God to take you out of debt and out of destruction and bring you into a place of his blessing? Nothing is too hard for God. But the way we receive is not by trying but trusting. 
I love, when God speaks to you, it's like you, you have a no-so. And God helped Abraham and Sarah on the journey. For one of the main things he did, he changed Abraham's name. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations. So what a great faith picture for Sarah. Every time she saw her husband, hey, father of many nations. And he's like, well, I ain't got a son yet. <laughs> no. But every time she spoke his name, every time he spoke his own name, you see, God speaks things in advance. There's something about speaking God's word in advance. So my, my question as we go into 2017, what promises has God spoken that you need to reactivate? Phil Pringle's word to us when he came in September on switch your faith on. There's something about our words and our actions that we switch faith on. I've, I've just even in the last few months, I've been saying, I go into situations, I say, right, I'm switching my faith on. I'm activating my faith. God said it. I believe it. I'm going to stay faithful and it's going to come to pass in Jesus' name. Get that devil. Back off in Jesus' name. God is going to break through. God is going to save. God is going to rescue. God is going to provide. God is going to come through. So one of the things, the main things we have to deal with, you've got to deal with disappointment. You've got to deal with discouragement. There were times when Abraham and Sarah missed it and lost it. But I love the Hebrews account. Hebrews looks over all of that and just said, Sarah considered God faithful to do what he had promised. And so Kingsgate, the start of 2017, every single one of us, let's activate our faith. Which of these areas do you need to exercise faith? As you look at 2017, how many say I'm ready to switch my faith on in 2017? Five of you. How many are ready to switch your faith on in 2017? How many say, okay, enough with stuff I brought in 2016. I'm going to get rid of unhealthy attitudes and I'm going to fill my life with this first super attitude. I'm going to be a man or a woman of faith. I'm going to be somebody and I'm going to live by faith in the way I handle my finance and put, give God the first and the best. I'm going to live by faith as I develop a close walk with him. I'm going to live by faith as I keep on pressing in. I'm not going to go weary and doing good. I'm not going to quit serving or operating in helping and blessing others. I'm going to say in 2017, together with the rest of my brothers and sisters in the church, we're going to do great things for God by faith. Amen. We're going to keep all going all the way with God. And we're going to see promises fulfilled. Miracles take place. Because our God is faithful. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are good. Thank you, Lord, that you are always true. You're always faithful. Lord, some of us know, Lord, that we've wobbled. We've allowed stuff in, Lord, but we thank you that you're a God of new beginnings. You're incredibly merciful, your graciousness. You know our struggles. But we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. And so, Lord, this day, early part of January 2017, we say, Lord, we'll trust you. Your promises are true. Have your way in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.